are looking live from the Virage slash Hard Rock Sports Bar, where we're going to do the show today because we are in Vegas. And uh, you know what? We didn't want to do it in the room because if you do it in the room, you know what happens. It's six o'clock in the morning here, and you got to sit there if you're next to me and listen to a fat, bald guy discuss <laughs> sports. And you probably got in at three. You probably hung over. So I'm like, I'm not doing it in the room. And by the way, what a great background. I was going to take you for a walk and just walk around the place uh, and let you see a day in the life. But having said that, we found a great spot here. Randy's the bartender. We got a tab open. And away we go. We've also, ladies and gentlemen, got this. We've got Daniel Snyder selling the team. Now, here's the deal. Daniel Snyder has reached an agreement in principle to sell the commanders to a group led, and this is so cool to me, like, tell me this isn't awesome. You own the Philadelphia 76ers. You own the Devils. Your name is Josh Harris. And guess what? You're going to go ahead now, and you're going to own the commanders. Now, of course, it's a day of celebration for women. It's a day of celebration for all of the NFL because, well, Daniel Snyder, bad. Now, look, here's the deal. My thoughts on Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder was a guy that apparently could not get out of his own way. I'm not saying he was a good owner. I'm not saying he's a bad owner. Uh, couldn't get out of his own way and had a culture, it seems like, good old boys. Now, one thing I do not do is believe anything, and I mean anything, that I'm going to read in the media about this, and neither should you. We're going to listen, though, to Charlie Gasparino who is with Fox Business News, and he is all over this. And we're going to talk to him about what this sales mean. And remember this. This is something I think is pretty damn cool. I think it's pretty damn cool that Magic Johnson is involved in this. I think it's pretty damn cool that Magic Johnson, once again, figures out a way to get involved in a very cool ownership group. Magic Johnson, if you remember, Magic Johnson owns part of the Los Angeles Dodgers. How great is that? Magic Johnson is very underrated as an entrepreneur. People talk about Michael Jordan like he is the king, and he is. Michael Jordan's built a billion-dollar empire, but you know what Magic Johnson does? Magic Johnson's like that guy that knows a big development is going in, and he buys the land around it and gets a little bit of a piece. Like Jordan has the big piece with the Charlotte Hornets, and Michael Jordan's got to live with that. He's got to live with the crap of owning an NBA team. Like, we think it'd be great, right? You sit on a bench, you sit on the sideline, you do the Mark Cuban, but there's a lot of crap with it. Michael Jordan, as a majority owner, he's got to live with that. Magic Johnson, you know what he does? He just takes in some profits. Sure, he sits on the board. He's a part owner. It's freaking brilliant. Brilliant what Magic Johnson does. All of the fun with none of the headaches. Now, think about that. Isn't that what we all want? We all want to enjoy the living crap out of things, but we don't want the headaches. We don't want the problems. We don't want, the, oh, man, this is unbelievable. I got to worry about this. I got to worry about that. The culture uh, of the HR department, which Daniel Snyder failed at miserably, is on you. Nobody wants that, and nobody should want that. But this deal is interesting. Remember this, Jeff Bezos, who is among the richest, if not the richest dudes around, who knows who's actually the richest, right? But Jeff Bezos <clears throat> was apparently not wanted by the folks in Washington. Not sure why. Daniel Snyder and Bezos apparently had themselves a little tete-to-tete, -tete, a little rift. And we'll talk to Charlie Casparino about that. Did you know, 
Did you know that NASCAR is rocking and rolling this week? We're going to talk to Ryan Pierce. The 41 car, that's right. I know how to speak to speak. Ricky Cobb has one of the great Twitter sites ever. No, I don't mean kind of, sort of. I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to go, oh, yeah, this is great. It is Super 70 Sports. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it with me. It's unbelievable. Super 70 Sports is so good, and Ricky Cobb is the guy behind it. Now, if you don't know anything about Sid, he's going to join us coming up one time around 1030. Of course, Haley's going to join us. If you know anything about Super 70 Sports, it's one of those things where you go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, 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 I like that. All right, I'm not going to tell you I told you so, Cub fans, and I know there's a lot of you Cub fans out here, but I got to talk about the Cubs in relation to the 85 Bears. Now, stay with me for a second, and it has to do with Javi Baez last night. Javi Baez is an idiot. I mean, let's just be honest. Javi Baez was and is a great baseball talent. If you remember or you know anything about Javi Baez, what you know is this. Javi Baez is the guy that can tag. Like, that's his thing. He's the tag guy. Javi Baez played on a world championship in 2016 with the Cubs. Javi Baez, by all accounts, there isn't anything that Baez cannot do in baseball. He can hit. He can feel. He can run. Name it. He can do it. But Javi Baez, and, and, and just bear with me a second here, along with most of the Cubs, has been a complete and utter failure since 2016. It's like the guys on the Cubs in 2016 that won a pen or won a World Series said, you know what, I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, I can do what I want. Hey, let, let, let's be honest. Let, let's be honest what we're doing. Uh, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to pay attention to anybody, anytime, anywhere. I get to do what I want to do. And you know how that's worked out for all of them? Said, tell, me where, <clears throat> tell me where Chris Bryant is. Tell me where Chris Bryant is. Tell me right now. Where is he? He's in Colorado. Guess what? I guess he's playing. Do you even know? You know what happened to Addison Russell, the shortstop? Apparently, he's the worst husband ever, boyfriend ever, beat his girlfriend, and next thing you know, he's got a real problem. He's out of baseball. Tell me where these guys are. Schwarber's playing. Baez, what's he doing? Rizzo's still playing a little bit. Hayward's basically out of baseball, but at least Hayward competed and tried. Ian Happ came up and did all right. Wilson Contreras is gone. All these guys from the Cubs, horrendous, horrendous. That's amazing. When I saw it yesterday, I thought to myself, are you crazy? Are you insane? Look, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Get out there. Do something great. Win again. But Baez been an idiot since. Bouncing around. He's on a team right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Detroit Tigers are like 2-11. and 11. It's like Groundhog Day all over again. And here's what happened with Baez last night. So Baez on a double play, it's a ground ball, doesn't run because he doesn't realize there's only one out. Baez thinks there's two outs. So he doesn't run. So the manager, A.J. Happ, and him go down. They go down in the tunnel, and basically uh, A.J. Happ tells him, look, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're a fool. Stop it. Well, guess what? Baez then, of course, does what guys do. He gets himself a little tantrum. He comes back up, takes his stuff, and he leaves. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. Yay, Rock. Go fight win. I'm just telling you that the world is a ridiculous place, and Javi Baez, if you're not going to hustle, 
I don't want to hear about. Okay, a <clears throat> couple of other things before we go. Um, this is this is sad. There's a resurfaced video of reinstated state, uh, excuse me, Rep- Nashville Representative Justin Jones shows him assaulting drivers standing on police cars during the 2020 George Floyd riots. Now, here's the deal with that. I'm guessing he'll be considered some type of hero for that. I want you to think about that for just a second. How in the hell are you a hero for that? Let's play the video, Dylan. They will try to portray me as violent in any way to deflect from their own actions. They will suggest that I am out of order. This is a strategy. However, I'm hopeful for the chance to present our evidence. So he's going to just assault dudes walking in the street because I don't know why he's going to assault walking people in the street. But that's what he does. From now, we got a driver. Now we're stopping cars. Now we're faking like we've been hit. Now we're dropping on the floor. I mean, the whole thing is a freaking mess. You know, now they're going to start going at guys in cars. What are we doing? And this guy's a victim. You got to be very careful out there, people. You got to be very, 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 very careful. False narrative. Really? All right. You know, you just get tired. Nobody cares about how anybody acts as long as they act in a fairly honest manner. I mean, you're seeing it right here. I mean, that's what you're doing with that bullhorn and everything else, right? That's your thing. And hey, look, um, you got to be careful. You got to be very, very careful out in the streets. Look at these guys. Just because people are trying to get home. So what did these people that are driving, what did they do to anybody? And this rep here, Justin Jones, is all of a sudden a dude. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. I don't care. It's ridiculous. And you know what? Uh, victimhood sells. We know that. Victimhood sells like nothing else. We know victimhood sells. Well, I'm a victim. They will try to push a false narrative portraying me as violent as a way to deflect from their own actions. They will suggest that I'm out of order. This is the strategy. However, I'm hopeful for the chance to present our evidence in a transparent manner. Well, please do. Please do. That's just ridiculous. You know, the whole thing, remember this? Remember the whole thing about lawmakers? Everybody got this video a few years ago. Not this video, this email a few years ago. And in the, in the email was this. In the email was a list of crimes. It was like assault, rape, sexual assault, DUI, DUI with injury, vehicular. It had, had a list this long. I mean, as long as you wanted to make it, of crimes. And they said, well, is this... Congress? Is this the NFL? Is this the NBA? Is this Major League Baseball? Is this the NHL? What is it? Well, it's Congress. And that's what Congress is about. That's it. There's where, right there, is where we're at in this world with the people that are supposed to lead us. They don't have any sense. They don't don't have, and, and apparently, and this guy will be a hero. I mean, he was such a victim that the dumbest of the dumb, Kamala Harris, had to come to Nashville not to talk to the victims' families, the six who passed away. No, 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 not to do that. Had to talk to the Tennessee Three. The Tennessee Three. The Tennessee Three that got, (laughs) that went nuts, stormed the courthouse, got on bullhorns, and yet are somehow victims. The world stinks. All right, let's move along. Jeffrey Simmons, here's a great story out of Nashville. Jeffrey Simmons couldn't resist tears, could not hold back tears. When he was talking about going from poverty to being able to provide for generations to come because of his hard work. Now, Jeffrey Simmons is the American dream. Jeffrey Simmons is the American story. Jeffrey Simmons and his humbleness, his work ethic, everything about Jeffrey Simmons is what we want out of real people. We don't need crap. Here's a video of Jeffrey Simmons. 
thing, man, just from house to house, apartment to apartment, sharing a bed with my brother. Man, we good. We, you know, it's just not, you know, my kids' kids, you know, this generation wealth, as we call it, like, that's why I do it for, man. Every day I wake up. Just think about the hard times where I know my mom didn't feel like it. And for some time I could be like, I don't, I'm hurt. But I think about my mom having raised five kids on her own. And for me to say, I don't want to do this. You know, that's my motivation for my family, so. Sorry about that, but man, this, this is, I'm grateful, I'm excited. I never saw myself wearing um, anything but the two-tone blue other than, a, you know, holding up a Super Bowl ring and a gold jacket. How about that? How about that? How great is that? And I mean, that is absolutely great. I mean, I've always said this about NFL players. NFL players, I know some of them act like idiots. Hell, some broadcasters act like idiots, some police, some teachers, some everybody. It doesn't matter. So there's always a group that act like idiots. But NFL players are legit people. Nine out of ten. Absolute, legit, great people. Because the NFL is like a big funnel. You start out with all these guys, all these athletes, all this talent. And then it just weeds itself out to a very small percentage at the bottom that get through into the NFL. Then you see the character of Jeffrey Simmons right there. You see the wanting. You see the desire. You see the respect. Not only, not only for himself and his work ethic and his team and his organization, but you see the respect for life. You see the respect for family. You see the respect for people. You know, future generations. He's sitting there going from apartment to apartment. He's going from house to house. He's trying just to survive as a kid, but something inside him determined that he was going to do way more than survive. And I'm guessing along the way, and this is what I think is very cool, he could have become a victim. I'm guessing along the way he could have been somebody that took a wrong path, made a bad decision, made a decision that ultimately could have cost him that moment or that contract or that chance. But you know what? The dude didn't. The dude, whatever he did in his life, got him to that podium. And I would, I would say that when he's talking about a Super Bowl ring and he's talking about a gold jacket, I would say that he's on his way. Now, look, both are very difficult, and obviously one play in the NFL, we've seen this forever, whether it's Bo Jackson or anybody, can end a career very, very quickly. But that dude, that dude, even though I'm a Colts fan, even though the Tennessee Titans seem to whoop the hell out of the Colts every time they feel like whooping the hell out of the Colts anymore, but that dude, to me, is a real guy. That dude, to me, is a guy, I don't know, man, we're celebrating, you know, I, we, we hear all the time about the negative things about players. We hear about the Joe Mixons, the Pac-Man Joneses, right? But that's what most NFL guys are. Are they perfect? Hell no. So are, neither am I. Neither are you. What, what are we doing? Why are we trying to make anybody perfect? Bill Maher has a great comedy sketch. And so I don't even know if it's a sketch. It's not a sketch. It's a, it, I don't even know if it's a routine. It's just a stance where he talks about, and I've said this before on the show, somebody threatening him from nine years ago with a video or something. He's like, nine years? He goes, you can come up with something quicker than that. You can come up with something closer than that. You can come up with something better than that. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? See, we all want everybody to be perfect. We all want to crush those that aren't. 
But the fact of the matter is, in no industry is everybody perfect. In no industry is everybody all good. Basketball players get a bad rap, NBA players, but the majority of them are great. So at the end of the day, Jeffrey Simmons is a guy that now I got to root for the damn Titans, or at least I got to root for Jeffrey Simmons, and I'm not happy about it. Actually, I'm very happy about it. Because when good dudes get paid, when good dudes do great things, when good dudes are appreciative, we should all report. Ah, seriously, that's 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 what we should do. I'm not saying you have to. I mean, I understand. Let's be honest. Uh, fandom trumps a lot of different things. No Trump t- pun intended. But, man, that's good stuff. I can't stop talking about that because it's such good stuff. Charlie Casparino uh is going to join us coming up here in a minute the big news of the day obviously is the sale or the potential sale daniel snyder finally out daniel snyder gone remember back in the summer remember back in the summer jimmy ursay basically put the nail in the coffin of daniel snyder because when jimmy ursay did not defend daniel snyder in fact jimmy ursay went the other way on daniel snyder it signaled that it was okay for everybody else to go at Daniel Snyder. It signaled that it was okay for the owners not to stand up for Daniel Snyder, not to have Daniel Snyder's back. That's what it signaled. And once that happened, that was a serious problem, at least in my opinion, for Daniel Snyder. Now, Charlie Gasparino, he knows far more about it than I do. He's with uh, Fox Business Network. He's been there forever. He's been there since 2010. He used to go and work at the New York Post. We'll talk to Charlie coming up in a minute. But the truth of the matter is this is a $6.05 billion deal. Billion. Billion dollar deal. How about that? All right. And this is from Charlie's text. And uh, as soon as he gets set up, we'll talk to him. The devil is in the details. Josh Harris's $6.050 billion dollar deal for the commanders but if it's real money daniel snyder should be appointed investor of the year his asset listen to this appreciated 650 percent since he bought it compared to a 200,000 or two excuse me yeah 200 percent plus appreciation in the smp charlie thanks for joining us Anytime. Sorry for the sorry for the bad lighting here. It's my apartment no. in the city. <laughs> hey, I'm in a casino in Las Vegas, so we got it all matched stuff here. We're good. Okay. Um, Charlie, I said this. Like, people think this is a monumental loss for Daniel Snyder. I just read your tweet out loud about the 650% appreciation on investment. Who doesn't want that? Well, you know, I wrote a piece a, a few weeks ago on Jeff Bezos being interested in the team and how the Bezos potential bid is likely to get him to that number of $6 billion that he always wanted. Now, if, as we were first to report yesterday, uh, I think it was Sportico that, that broke the news of the, of the, um, that the sale was going down. We though were very close at Fox business. And what we did was we nailed the price $6.05 billion we nailed that there's no indemnity clause on this. You know, remember talk people were saying he's only going to sell if he's indemnified from any litigation or stuff with the NFL. Remember, there's an investigation going on in sexual improprieties or harassment um, at the commanders and some other stuff. Remember, he's, he he drew some criticism on, on a loan that he allegedly took that he didn't disclose to his partners. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. 
there is no indemnity clause here on this sale. Uh, so uh, that's a big thing. And that makes you think that maybe there's no um, there's no, uh, uh, you know, his legal problems aren't that big of a deal. Um, the other issue is just how much, you know, Bezos looming over this. And this is something we reported yesterday, you know, jacked up the price. The initial people thought the, the initial word on on um, what's his name on on, on um, under Josh Harris bid and Josh Harris's Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, as you know, they own the 76ers and other stuff was that, you know, it wasn't a, a real firm six billion dollar deal. Um, I think the from what I understand, the Bezos stuff kind of help push they, they got more equity in this thing where it's now above six billion dollars and bezos never bid as you know um so it's it's interesting uh so and now what we did was i did a story a couple of weeks ago that talk, spoke about this and then the business side of this thing i mean this is people are just underestimating how much money this guy made from this team he went from having an 800 million dollar asset which who knows how he put it together back then. He's now got real cash of six. He's got money of six billion. And I and people are going to go through the six billion, too. As you know, that's the next stage. Is it really six billion? Is it you know, what is the what is it? But, you know, even if it's loans, you know, uh, Snyder doesn't care if you borrowed it from your aunt Millie. I mean, as long as it's the cash in his pocket, it's an amazing deal. And, uh, you know, Dan is Dan Snyder's hated in the NFL. Uh, excuse me, not in the NFL, in in you know his fan base. I mean, I, I listen. I can't tell if the fans all hate him or it's just the ones on Twitter. Because when I say something nice about the guy, I kind of know him a little bit. I get like attacked like viciously, and I'm a business reporter, so I'm not immersed in Washington, you know, football. You know, my brother is. My brother's an old time Redskins fan, but you know, I just you know the, the fan base may hate him. But this may be another reason I hate him because he just pulled off the sale of the century, if you ask me. Charlie, I gotta ask you, I was going through your Twitter. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm a simple person. Right. So I'm gonna ask this very simply. All right. One of your tweets, um, uh, what was it, 12, 13 on the 13th, basically says this: Bezos was too rich, and the NFL owners were afraid of his wealth. To create an unfair advantage for Bezos. Is that the simplistic way of looking at this with Bezos not being involved? Well, you know, that's, I, I mean, I heard this from NFL sources that there was some, you know, now I, I can't imagine Jeff Bezos cares. I mean, he's so rich. I mean, you get to be that rich. It's like, what do they say? F you money. But yes, but yes. Uh, I won't, and I won't use the words, but um, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, there was some hand wringing, like, okay, you know, there's all these salary caps and everything. So it levels the playing field, obviously, in in, in drafting and paying for and getting free agents and stuff like that. But if you're really rich, you you can you can buy a stadium. That's one thing they need to do. Apparently the stadium is, is I have never been there, but it, I heard it's it's horrible. You know what I'm saying? You need to do facilities. One of the reasons why people love playing for Jerry Jones and, and the Cowboys is that the Cowboys have like first rate facilities. I've seen them. Uh, if you ever gone to the star out and outside of Dallas, I think it's in Denton, uh, Texas. It's just an amazing Jerry built an amazing thing. I mean, if you if you're a football player, you want to play for a team that treats you that well, that has this great facilities that takes care of you. I mean, it is really an amazing place. And I think Dan, I think whoever whoever has to do that. 
whoever whoever buys this team has to do that. And Bezos would have the, the pocket change for that. He's worth $120 billion, right? So he could do what Steve Cohen is essentially doing for the Mets. And, you know, he does it with, with a net worth of, that's actually multiples of Steve Cohen's enormous net worth, which is around $20 billion. You know, Charlie, so I, I had read this going backwards. Um, Snyder and Bezos, did they have an issue? Was Snyder adamantly against Bezos no. being involved? No, I'm getting this from the, not from not from Snyder's mouth, but from, I have a, a source that's very close to him. Here's what happened. I mean, I, I, now that this thing is all unwound, I guess we can talk, I could talk about this a little bit. Um, a source of mine, um, actually approached someone close to Bezos. And this source represented Snyder and said, listen, whatever you read, it is not true. We don't have a problem with Jeff Bezos bidding. We are, Dan understands that his he owns the Washington Post. Remember, all this was about the Washington Post's negative coverage of Dan and these scandals and alleged scandals. And, you know, a lot of it was political. You remember, this was done by the, the Democrats in the House of Representatives, right? This was not like a bipartisan commission. I mean, and, and the Democrats don't like Dan because Dan's conservative, okay? So this was not like a bipartisan congressional effort to nail Dan Snyder and his toxic work environment. This was led mainly by Democrats. And by the way, once the Republicans took over the House, the, the you, you, you should notice that it was over, right? The, the, the thing ended. So, um, so I, I, I'm just telling you that. Uh, so, you know, Dan, Dan Snyder communicated to to someone very close to Bezos that there's through this intermediary that we have no problem. Okay. Then apparently they had conversations, and Bezos was sniffing around. He and I think, um, listen, it's a smart business move if you ask me. I mean, you know, the fact that Bezos's name was actually in the press. I wrote about it. Others wrote about it clearly forced Josh Harris to pony up. Um, you know, but I will say this. I don't know how much football stadiums and facilities cost. If he's having a hard time coming up with $6 billion, I mean, he's got a few more billion to go in terms of fixing those facilities, doesn't he? Yeah, and let me ask you this. Does And, and this may be a dumb question, so forgive me, but does all of the... Does all of the HR nightmare, internal sex, whatever, you know, does all that go away with the sale now? Does does the, the new ownership group, Josh Harris, have to deal with anything? No, like I don't think I, you know, I, that's a good question. Do Are they indemnified by what happened in the past? And um, usually that is not the case. And I listen, I'm a I'm a financial reporter. Mainly I cover the confluence, a lot of finance and politics and sports and, and sports and finance. Uh, that's how I get get into these stories. I got into the Met story, but just back up my finance stuff. You know, I covered the financial crisis. I broke a lot of stories about you know all the stuff that was going down, the bailouts, including the J.P. Morgan, which was purchase of Bear Stearns, which was one of the first quote unquote bailouts. The federal government went to J.P. Morgan, the biggest bank. Jamie Dimon runs it, the safest bank, and says we have this investment bank, Bear Stearns, that we'd like you to take it you know, under your wing. So because if it goes into bankruptcy, the whole thing could blow up. And Jamie Dimon was worried about being indemnified um, uh, that, you know, Bear Stearns obviously might, may have done some bad stuff in the past. Do I have to pay for that? 
and the federal government was like, ah, we think you, 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 we'll give you some. They gave him some assurances that it, it wouldn't happen. But guess what? He did have to pay for the legacy problems of, of Bear Stearns. And, um, and so it makes me think maybe that's the same here, you know, that that there is no blanket indemnification. But maybe he doesn't need a blanket indemnification. And that's one of the things that I think is interesting here is that the Dan Snyder himself personally did not seek a blanket indemnification. He didn't ask for it. He didn't want it, from what I'm told, by people close to him. That may be an indication he thinks that these investigations, the sexual harassment stuff that's being investigated by the league through former U.S. attorney uh, for the Southern District, a, 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 a big player in legal issues. Her name is Mary Jo White, that he doesn't think that, that this is going to be a big thing. So, you know, I'm surmising here, obviously, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't. Yeah, really, no, I, I know. always look at it from a personal level. Like if I'm one of there's 40 women, around 40 women that right. have been. I guess, uh, sexually harassed, alleged sexual harassment, I guess I should say alleged. I look at it from a personal level. Like if I'm one of the women, like I don't give a damn where any goes. I, I want to get satisfaction on this. You, you see what I'm saying? Instead of a broader, uh, a broader type thing, more of a personal type thing. Yeah, but I've been covering this a long time. Some of these cases become very, I mean, I've covered sexual harassment on Wall Street for years. Uh, there are merit to some. There's no merit to others. And I think, you know, you know, the whole notion that, you know, that I remember, I think it was Andrew Cuomo of all people, you know, when he said when when they were talking about Kavanaugh, you know, you believe I mean, he basically said, believe people at face value when they make these claims. I don't think you should do that. And oh. as, as as Andrew knows so well right now, uh, so a lot of these claims are, you know, there's pylon stuff. It just it just happens all the time. So, uh, you know. Listen, whether it's four or 40 or or one in 40, I'm not condoning that type of behavior, obviously. I'm just saying that from a due process standpoint, you have to look at this. And I, I, you know, there there is something called the presumption of innocence. The other side at some point has to prove it. You know, you have to have real evidence. And um, I'm just reading tea leaves. If I'm him. And I'm, and you're telling me I need to sell my team, which they kind of prod, they prodded him to do it, obviously. Um, and uh, you know, if I'm not asking for indemnification, I might be feeling okay about whatever went down. Now, remember, he didn't run the day to day. I mean, that was he had people in charge. I guess it was, it was all, but I, you know, I, I can't remember who his managers were before he redid the management. Now he, he and his wife has taken. It took a, a stronger hand in the last couple of years with Tanya, who I've met once and is a lovely woman. And, you know, knowing meeting her and she's a class act. I can't believe it. If Dan was that bad of a guy, she would marry him. I, and, and I don't care. They have kids together. They have good kids. I, you know, I see a different side. I saw a different side of them than these fans that are like incensed by the guy every, every day, by the way, I bet you these fans, if he won three Super Bowls in the last, bingo, they would be like, "Oh, who cares about this? Let it go." <laughs> bingo, bingo. I, that was going to be one of my questions because, and I didn't even need to ask the question because having been a coach for a long time, don't I know that? Hundred percent. All right, everybody sees the name Magic Johnson, and I'm going to throw out what I just said to you and tell me whether you agree or disagree. Um, you just mentioned. Daniel Snyder did not like the day-to-day. Magic Johnson is brilliant. Magic Johnson gets in on these deals as a part owner, but he doesn't have to deal with the day-to-day. 
right? Michael Jordan's dealing with the day-to-day of the Charlotte Hornets, and like it's great, but it's a pain in the you know what to be right. the owner, regardless of how cool it sounds. Magic Johnson, what's his involvement here? I think he's brilliant what he does getting in. Getting I, I think in. it's I, I hear it's de minimis. I mean, I hear he's lent his name to it. I hear he probably has a few bucks in it. Uh, he, you know, it's nice to be, you know, get gets go to the, the games and stuff. And I, you know, listen, you got to remember at the NFL, they don't like having 40 owners, right? You know, I covered and I broke a lot of stories. And one of the reasons why is because a good source of mine, a guy named Greg Fleming, former top guy at Merrill Lynch, was was um, Derek Jeter's uh, investment banker. So I covered the Jeter purchase of the Marlins way back when. You know, it's, it was it was a big deal. I think it was like four billion dollars or something like that. You check my math on that. But it might have been three. But I, I but it would, whatever it was, an astronomical amount of money for a team that didn't really bring in the dough that much. Right. That in Miami. And, uh, you know, he had like, I want to say two dozen partners on that, whacking that thing up. The main partner was a guy named Bruce Sherman, who was a former Wall Street guy who was barely in there. I, I don't think he even had a billion in it. You can't really do that with the NFL, right? You need like to have a principal owner. Like Josh Harris will be the principal owner. Like they want one guy. And that principal owner needs to have a significant amount of equity in it, like something like 30%. Now, uh, he can raise the rest, I, I guess, but he needs to be the point man. And one of the people, and he's obviously raising it from other people including Magic Johnson. You should point out that Josh Harris, people don't really know him in the sporting world, but he, you should. You know, he owns the 76ers. He has this thing, Harris Blitzer. But even more than that, he made his fortune, and I would say he's worth, personally, around $4 billion himself. Uh, he's, you know, or between four and six. He made his fortune in um, essentially creating the big private equity firm, Apollo Global Capital, with Leon Black and a few other people. Uh, he left that a few years ago when they had some management turmoil and he went full time into the uh, into the Harris Blitzer sports and entertainment. But I, I guess my bigger point is, even if he does, he he, he probably has the 30 percent equity, not probably, definitely. Um, but he can raise the rates, the rest. He knows how to do it. But again, the NFL doesn't like, like splitting this up among 400 people. You know, so this this game this isn't quite over yet. I mean, he, the devil will be in the details. We got to see: is this a real six billion dollar deal? You now, where is he? Is he tapping lines of credit? Not that Dan Snyder cares. As long as it, I mean, he doesn't care if you borrow it from. Well, he probably would care if you borrow it from the Chinese. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, he doesn't. I mean, you know, it, it's at some point you don't care where they're borrowing it from, but the NFL might care. And so remember, there's a couple of like there's going to go through a due diligence on this deal. Last thing uh, before I let you go, you mentioned a stadium. Now, stadiums um, here in Indianapolis, you know, the Capital Improvement Board and the taxpayers put a ton of dough into a new stadium, Lucas Oil Stadium. Right. D.C., I have no idea. Everybody tells me the same thing that they tell you, which is they need to do it. I'm here in Vegas. I drove by whatever that place is called, and it's a freaking Taj Mahal, right? I mean, right. You're putting, I think you mentioned it earlier. You're putting billions into this. So is – is Daniel Snyder once he makes the sale, is he's done? He doesn't. He doesn't have to have any involvement in anything. It's all on right. the new group. Period. Right. And I think one of the knocks on Dan, even from his fan, or even from people who like him in, in the NFL, and he's he's got a lot of fans inside the NFL. Don't think that everybody hates Dan Snyder in the NFL. That's not true. Um, and everybody in, in football hates him, the guy in the sporting world. He's got a lot of friends, and I think. But what his friends would say, I think is that um, 
you know, he probably doesn't have the political stroke inside D.C. to get a public-private buy-in on the stadium. Like, he couldn't go to the to the political powers and arrange the tax benefits and all these stuff that, you know, maybe Josh Harris can do. I mean, that that is part that that is an interesting. I mean, that's part of this whole thing. Like, the guy that owned the Marlins, I think his name was Dan Laurie. I mean, he actually got public public buy-in, like Miami Dade County buy-in on the stadium. Which helped defray the cost, and and you know he, he and you know that you need that. Um, you know if the Yankees, you know, wanted to build a new stadium. I'm not saying they do, but if they do, they you know they there's a guy named Randy Levine over there who's very plugged into New York state and city politics would be able to get the public buy-in to make that happen. He's an astute political player. I don't think Dan had that buy-in. Now does Josh Harris have that buy-in? I I would assume. He either does or he's going to hire somebody to get it. You know what I'm saying? And remember, Dan was also immersed in the whole name change thing, which probably hurt him politically in a liberal place like D.C. You know, remember for years he was saying no to changing the Redskins name. And uh, I'm not saying he should have changed the Redskins name. But, you know, my brother's a Redskin fan. He's still a Redskin fan. And I think a lot of people are still Redskins yeah. fan. Uh, but that I think that whole that whole rigmarole was was it was problematic from a political standpoint. So now there's a clean slate of people that are going to deal with with the with the politics, and that's something they're going to have to do: get public buy-in, get political buy-in from the locals to help redo their stadium, maybe build a new one, get a better facility, and other stuff. Uh, you know Daniel Snyder. Just give me your impression. Good guy. Now you that? know. Here's the thing: I know him through a mutual friend. Um, I want to say that there's no reason for Dan Snyder to be nice to me. He doesn't get anything but being nice to some dopey financial reporter. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, um, couldn't have been a more generous, gracious guy that we met. Down to earth. I met his wife, who's a sweetheart. I met his kids, who are good kids. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, and not pretentious. I mean, you know, and by the way, people talk about this this yacht. I, I've been on the yacht. It's a beautiful yacht. I mean, I will say that. But it, it's not like we were eating caviar and, you know, drinking champagne. I mean, he, we had sandwiches and, you know, it was good. It was fun. You know what I'm saying? You're right. I mean, it was just, I, I did not find the guy to be this pretentious asshole that everybody says he is. I mean, I yeah. hate to say it like that, but that's, he's not that. And I think, you know, he probably should have had better PR. I mean, I hate to say it. Some some of this does come down to image building and PR and how do you cultivate that? I mean, I, I see this on Wall Street all the time. Like people, you know, lose fact that there is an image thing. There is, you know, the Marshall McLuhan said the media is the message. It's this screen. It used to be just the TV. Now it's screens like this. And you got to figure out how to cultivate that. It's not an easy thing. People pay a lot of money. Maybe that's my next job after uh, when I <laughs> They make a lot of money helping these rich guys out <laughs> that they don't look to, that they could fix up. Their I guarantee image. you that's a tough market to break into because yeah. there's a lot of scammers out there saying they can yeah, help I'm the sure. rich guys, man. I'm sure. <laughs> well, take the cash up front. That's what you do. <laughs> Charlie, thanks, man. That was awesome. I hope you'll come back. That was Anytime. Just call me. Let me know. Thank you very much. Uh, that's interesting stuff, man. Daniel Snyder, he, uh, I love to hear when people that know the guy say, look, he's not what you think. Of course he's not. What do I tell you all the time? There's always a backstory. There's always a backstory. Nothing is ever as it's portrayed in the media. Well, a guy writes an article on you and all of a sudden you're a bad guy. No, you're not. I mean, it, people that get to know him 
sit there and say, wait a second, that's not what I saw. Oh, man, I have lived. All right, we got a ton to get to today. Do you know the Super 70s website? It's the best. Uh, the guy who's behind it is going to join us uh, coming up here at bottom of our Haley's going to join us. Look, we got us a real life NASCAR driver coming up here, Ryan Pierce. A little bit today with us. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, welcome. The YouTube chat is pumping. We are here at the Mirage in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Don't forget, go to the YouTube chat. YouTube chat is kind of where this whole thing has headed. I can see that right now. Twitter's great, but you only watch for a very little time on Twitter. The YouTube chat, my peeps. Got a three, four hundred looking at it right now, and I am very excited about you all. And as you know, we put your comments up on the bottom part. Subscribe, like, do all the things that make me look like you actually pay attention to what the hell it is that, that we are talking about here on this show. Hey, uh, there it is right there. Subscribe, ding, like, subscribe, ring the bell so you get notifications. Yeah. And don't forget hot mic coming up, Tommy Lauren. There it is right there. Look at all this. Look at all this content we got going on here on the Outkick brand. All right, news from basketball. I'm not going to bother you all with every guy that's going to the NBA but keeping his college eligibility because it's basically every dude that has a basket or two in a game in college basketball. I mean, it's basically, hey, look, if you score 10 points in a game, you're going to the NBA. But this dude deserves special mention. Adama Sinogo who was, I thought, absolutely fantastic throughout the course of the entire NCAA tournament. I thought he was great. I thought when I read about him, saw about him coming over, an unbelievable story. He has decided to declare for the NBA draft. He's got about a month, and we'll all figure it out. But basically, let's just be honest, everybody and their mother is currently declaring for the NBA draft. If you're not declaring for the NBA draft, then i got to ask the question, what the hell are you doing? But that dude was a bad boy. That dude was a bad man. That dude helped lead his team to as impressive and as dominating a run as you're going to see in college basketball. And I don't think you'll see a difference next year. I don't. I don't think you'll see a run like that where you win every game by 20. And more impressively, not, you, you're favored in every game. You cover the spread, but you do it by more than 15 points. So if the spread was seven, on average, you covered the game by 23. You see what I'm saying? Spread's five. I'm sorry. If the spread was seven, 15 plus seven is 23 is what you would buy. That's unfreaking believable. I mean, let's not even mess around. That is unbelievable. Yes, yes, yes. It is fantastic that you won the championship. Yes, it's fantastic. You won every game by 20 most since 2009 in Kentucky won by like 20.2, but honest to God, to beat the spread by 15 points. Baby. I just got a text from my boys I'm playing golf with. They're over here having breakfast. First drinks have been drunk. Not me. I'm all into coffee. I don't like it. All right. Top executives at Bud Light reportedly had no idea. I want you to think about this. No idea. The brand's marketing department had approved the Dylan Mulvaney collaboration for the Bud Light brand. It's unbelievable. Sources told the Daily Wire they were shocked. I actually have a friend. Look at this guy. I actually have a friend who is a big shot, fairly locally, the Toledo 
uh, Detroit area with Anheuser-Busch. His wife and my wife were best friends, and Tony had no idea. He had no idea, and they are all hot about this, and they should be. Last I saw, it was $5 billion. It was 7 I think it went back to $5 billion in losses. Look, according to sources, look at this guy. No one at the senior level had any idea of the partnership and the decision to feature Mulvaney in an ad campaign, and that was made by a low-level marketing staffer. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about this idiot here being the brand, being the face of Bud Light. Now, I thought maybe, because this is what happens a lot on this show, when I started this show, I started paying more attention to things politically, to brands, to not social media in terms of basketball or football or baseball or the Colts uh, or the Pacers. I started paying attention to social media trends, to social media influencers, that type of thing. And many times when I talk about this, what ends up happening is the people I'm talking to have no idea about this, about a Dylan Mulvaney. And all right, but here's the deal. You Last night, I get into Vegas. My brother's there. Next, there's another guy there, uh, my buddy Tom, a couple of my nephew Pete's friends who are agents with CAA, a couple guys that aren't in any type of industry. They're just friends of Pete. And everybody was talking about it. It shocked me. I'm not going to lie to you. It absolutely shocked me. And it shocked me because every single one of them, and the ages range from 27 to 62, my brother. Every single person said the same thing. I'm not drinking Bud Light. I'm not wearing Nike. Everyone. Not some. Every single one. And good. The only way that normal people, and you tell me this is normal, then I'll kiss your backside in the middle of Times Square. The only way that normal people can fight this is by simply not endorsing, using, buying the products that these people are the face of. That's it. Now, you can say, well, I thought you were against cancel culture. I, I don't know if that's cancel culture. That's disrespectful to women. I'm not trying to cancel hurt him. I hope he goes and he, I hope he makes a zillion dollars doing this thing. But I hope the brands that he is the face of, in, in the face, ladies and gentlemen, of women being smacked around, I hope that those brands go to hell in a handbasket. I hope they go away. I hope they have billions and billions and billions of dollars of loss. And Anheuser-Busch is a product that I like. I've told you, I like mango card beer. It's an Anheuser-Busch product. I like Stella. It's an Anheuser-Busch product, but I won't drink it. In fact, last night, my brother, I guess, is a big wheel. We were in the VIP check-in part. They had a, a, a refrigerator full of beers. The traffic here was awful. I was dying to have a beer. So I looked down. There was a Stella. I said, I'll give you a Modelo. I don't think Modelo is part of Anheuser-Busch. If it is, then I violate it, but I won't buy it. In fact, all these guys went to the liquor store. We got a little hospitality room, and all these guys went to the liquor store. And one of them, 28-year-old, said, we're not buying Anheuser-Busch products. We're going Corona. That was That's a fascinating turn of events to me. I did not know that young folks were going to be so involved in this. I think it's cool. I think it's great. I hope it continues. You know, and then we were talking about this. All right, we're going to talk sponsorships of what we're going to talk sponsorships of sports nascar running in martinsville you can watch it on fox fs1 at three o'clock on sunday we're going to talk to ryan priest 
And we're going to ask him, like, if Bud Light was a sponsor, it's not a fair question to him, so maybe I won't ask it. But the truth of the matter is, this is not just old fat guys. This is not just old heads. Wow, you guys. No, these are kids that live in California that are liberal in thought, liberal in vote, saying, no, this is wrong. And it is. And I won't stop. I won't. It's wrong. It's 100% wrong. Not because I'm against transgender or any of that crap. I'm not against that at all. Do your thing. I'm against taking a white man who is parroting women. He is making fun of women and putting them in a job that a woman should have, period. That's where I'm at with it. Maybe you differ. All right. Uh, rest in peace, Bryce Brooks. Bryce Brooks of Florida, excuse me, of Atlanta, uh, died after heroically jumping into the ocean trying to rescue four younger children. That he did not know. I want you to say this again. Bryce Brooks tried to rescue four young children that he did not know from drowning. This kid is a hero. This kid should be celebrated. The children survived. Bryce jumped into the ocean. He tried. He saw people struggling, kids struggling. He jumped in. And as oftentimes happens, um, the person who's trying to do the saving you know how this goes. The person trying to do the saving ends up being the one passing away. I always think of Joe Delaney. Remember Joe Delaney, the running back? Joe Delaney was a running back for the Chiefs. I think it was his children. His children were drowning, or at least it gave the appearance of drowning. And he jumped in, and he ended up dying. This kid is 16 years old. 16 years old. He tried to save kids in the panhandle. The current got him. They were vacationing, he and his family, with other families. They all grew up together. The group was in uh, Perdido Key. Currents began pulling four younger kids away from the beach. This is April 6th. Bryce jumped in the water, running with two others to help the children. How about that? How about that? Man. There is... Um, an education group called Get Your Teach On. It began a fundraiser for Bryce. Uh, I'm going to give money to it. You got to celebrate people like this, even in death. I mean, again, it's easy to criticize. It's easy. And I do. I mean, look, I'm a very critical person, particularly on this show. But I got to tell you, this young man jumping in and saving or trying to save kids that weren't his. Holy cow. And he ended up losing his life. You know, this is going to sound very weird. But I would rather lose my life trying to do that than live with the thought of not doing anything. Hope that makes sense. And that sounds stupid because I've always said once you lose your life, your life is over. You're done. You're dead. It's over. What are you doing? But I would much rather do that. I would much rather lose my life than live with sitting in a living room knowing I could have, would have, should have done something. And I did. This kid is a hero. This kid's 16 years old. Holy cow. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. Hey, salute. All right, the NBA playoffs, they start up in earnest this weekend. And one of the things that you need to look at is this, because this does not happen in college basketball. One of the things you got to look at in the NBA playoffs is a home field advantage, a home court advantage, because it is significant. 
Like we can talk about, well, people don't watch the playoffs and that's fine. That's good. That's right. But I'll tell you what they do. They show up for the playoffs. They show up and they get going. Like tonight, the Heat. The Heat are down. They've got to beat the Bulls. Winner stays, loser goes, right? Well, guess what? The Heat are going to have a crazy crowd at home. The Bulls, they came back. They had a monster comeback, right? They had a monster comeback from 19 down. Next thing you know, they're continuing to move along. I guess if the Bulls lose, they still have a chance. Miami loses, they're out. The Thunder and the Timberwolves. Now, the Thunder just won. The Timberwolves just blew a lead. The Timberwolves are a little banged up. Rudy Gobert is going to be back, but guess what? The home court advantage. Look, if you don't like the NBA, I get it. If you don't like what the NBA stands for, you don't like the NBA stars, I get all, I get all of that. But I got to tell you, when you turn on, and I won't watch the first half, but when you turn on the second half of the game, when you turn on the fourth quarter of an NBA playoff game, and it is close, it sounds freaking awesome. It just does. Like, I thought this year, I, I thought this year the NCAA tournament's crowd sounded pretty good. I did. I mean, usually first rounds, you saw it, I saw it. You're playing in front of about half-field arenas. People come in. It's corporate tickets. It's big buildings. Uh, it's the middle of a Friday, a Thursday. Okay. But these NBA playoffs, I know you don't like them, but I'm going to be watching because I love the home court. And I'm also going to be watching because about Tuesday of next week, we're going to get ready to win some money. We're going to get ready to win a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. I mean, we're going to win, not Bezos money, but uh, we're going to win some money. We are. All right, coming up, Ryan Priest is going to join us. Uh, you can follow him at Ryan, R-Y-A-N-P-R-E-E-C-E underscore. He's number 41. His car, he's driving the 41 cars, we say. Old Larry McReynolds driving the 41 car. We'll see what he's got as we move towards the NASCAR season in Martinsville this weekend on FS1. Let's get the YouTube chat going. We'll get some folks out of you guys, you clowns. See who's doing what to whom. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey, we can't bury the lead here with Ryan Priest. Ryan, I know the I know the race in Martinsville coming up on Sunday. You're full time in NASCAR with Stuart Haas. Tony Stewart's the man. But the the house got hit by lightning last night. Yeah, well, a tree next to the house got hit by lightning. But it's amazing how electricity travels through the ground and then fries a lot of a lot of wires. I'm actually dealing with. Uh, our well pump got fried from it all. And it's just been, it's been quite the morning. Walk me through, like, I assume you were there. I assume you felt oh, it yeah. when the lightning struck the tree. Yeah. I mean, it's <clears throat> to me, it was like an earthquake, re a really, really quick earthquake. And uh, it, it shook the whole house. My dog started freaking out. It was, uh, you could hear all, all the breakers um, really flip. And then even the, the quick flash of, of light. So it was, uh, even though the house didn't directly get hit, it was right next to it. You, you definitely, I mean, it was wild. Something I don't want to experience again. 
What? What? Like the tree? Did it split? Did it fall? What? Yeah. What, what happened? Did it come yeah. close to the house? Did it hit the house? Uh, it didn't hit the house. We got really lucky, but all the 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 tree did split. I mean, it 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 was a really tall oak tree, and and it just looks. I mean, the, all the pieces everywhere. It exploded. So it was uh, it was unbelievable. And I have a lot of cleanup to do today. Holy cow! Uh, but you're going to race on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really uh, Martinsville's been been a race that. You know, I've had circled for since the beginning of the season. Obviously, we showed our speed at L.A. Uh, at the Coliseum and <clears throat> Richmond without qualifying or practice. We started 33rd and we ran pretty much 8th to 10th the majority of that race. So I feel like our short track program and, and where we are with the 41 as far as car speed goes, we're definitely where we're trending in the direction of, of where we want to be. Uh, we just haven't been able to to finish these races off. So I feel like going into this weekend, uh, knowing that we're going to have practice, we're going to have qualifying, and we put a big emphasis on qualifying this weekend because track position is so important. So I uh, feel like everything is 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 ready to get the season going, even though it's about eight, eight races too late. Hey, Ryan, um... Tony Stewart, when when you signed up with him, Stewart Haas Racing, when he mentioned this, and I want I'm curious what it means to you. He said, you know what? Ryan really has bet on himself his whole career. What does betting on yourself mean to you? <clears throat> well, to me, it's just been a totally different path to the Cup Series and at the NASCAR's highest level. Uh, you know, earlier in my career in Xfinity. I, I had local supporters and, and sponsors, but I had to basically take a loan out from a two, two people and, and pay them back for it uh, to, to have two opportunities with Joe Gibbs racing back in the day. And, you know, last year, not racing full time in the Cup Series, it just realizing the, the importance of partnerships and, and trying to build those, that was more of a building year for me and, and working on the relationship that I've continued to, to build with United Rentals and Morton Buildings, Hunt Brothers Pizza and Mohawk and just all these different companies. Um, you know, it's that that's really, I guess, the the betting on myself um, or really them betting on me as well. So that's uh, I guess that's what that means. How are you going to like what I, I always like the personal approach so you got it. It's Friday. It's not like this is Tuesday, right? So yeah. you, you got to clean up a big mess and walk me through like your itinerary as you see it from the time, you know, you get back cleaning the mess to the time you get to qualify. Yeah. So it all started at about four this morning when, <laughs> it, when it happened. And, you know, so my wife and I, we have animals, we have a barn, we have my garage, which is right next to the house as well. So that started off as making sure and finding out what was working and what was not working. And then since then, there's been a few trips to the hardware store and replacing uh, outlets. Uh, so a GFI, a couple GFI outlets got fried, which was interesting. And uh, so from, you know, we last night when I went to bed, I thought my Friday was going to be an easy day, just kind of like take it easy, maybe mess with some of my street cars uh, and work on them, you know, just relaxing. 
Well, let's turn into I gotta grab my chainsaw. I gotta go cut up a tree. I gotta clean the mess up. Uh, and then I gotta make sure we get our well back up and running so I can give the horses water. And it's gonna be quite the busy day. That, that I don't I don't necessarily know how the rest of it's gonna go from now till tomorrow. But um, you know, I, I'm gonna say this. My luck's turning around because the tree didn't fall on the house. Yeah, it may have got struck by lightning. But we are we are as lucky as lucky can be when it comes to what could have happened. So we're we're on the good side. That's a great approach, right? Because we've I mean, tree falls on house, you're in the house, kids in the house, tree falls on barn, animals are in the barn. I mean, this is gonna go on bad a thousand different ways. Oh, and that's the first thing. You know, I'm a I'm a glass, a glass half, a glass is half full type person. So that was the first thing I looked at my wife and said, I'm like, well, we got lucky. You know, we are as lucky as lucky could be. So, um, yeah, for sure. It's uh, there is a lot of other things that could have happened. When, when you're let's let's get to the race and let's get to qualifying. You mentioned position being really important. Walk me through where you feel. Obviously, the pole, I get all that. At what point is kind of the point of no return in qualifying at Martinsville? As far as position to start the race to give yourself a legit chance. I mean, you're just in a hole, right? So if you start if you start 30th at Martinsville, the first stage is just trying to pass as many cars um, and not go lap down because you're you're already i mean as soon as you take the green flag you're about a half track behind so and the leader having clean track he's just he's making lap time and you're you're in dirty air you're in traffic trying to trying to do everything it takes to to get forward so really i you know me personally i want to say we're going to go get the pole and we're going to start up front we're going to be that guy who's aggressive but really a good starting spot would be inside the top top six top eight i feel like you can you can slowly make your way forward, but if you're if you're starting twentieth, it's gonna be it's gonna be a you know twentieth on back is just gonna be a really tough day of grinding it out to try and get that track position. You know how it goes. We we just showed somebody. Everybody has a story of being struck by lightning, right? So on our YouTube chat, a guy says, "When I was about ten, we had a lightning strike. It was a bluish purple streak of electricity." That went from the phone on the wall to the electrical outlet across the whole house. Everybody's got a story. Not me, thankfully, but you know how it is. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's uh, see, that's why I'm I'm still even dealing with a, a few things here. But it, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, it'll certainly put put in perspective of how strong electricity really is. I gotta ask you this because we have a lot of people. I'm, I live in, uh, even though I'm in Vegas here at a, at a casino, I live in Indianapolis and you know what? The Brickyard comes. When you look at tracks across the country, like how big is it to race at Indy? You know, Daytona, Talladega. Where does this Indy fall in the whole thing? Yeah, so for me growing up, uh, the Brickyard 400 was you know the indy 500 the brickyard 400 you know when you think of nascar you think of daytona 500 the coca-cola 600 
And then there was the Brickyard 400. Those were like, those are the crown jewels. So, um, you know, Indy being a road course right now is, is certainly a little different for, for, you know, I'm somebody who definitely enjoys history and heritage of the sport. So I do hope one day we can kind of trend back in that direction. Um, just because I feel like you really still have to focus on, um, you know, the heritage and, and all the, all the history that's behind. Uh Oh, looks like we lost him. Oh boy. Well, Hey Ryan and Dylan, let, let him go. Let him, uh, I'm here. Sorry about that. I don't, I am I am team struggle right now without we have no internet we have we live in the middle of nowhere I feel terrible right now <laughs> Don't feel terrible about us man uh, we're we're just hell, I'm in a casino at at a at the sports bar here during the show and I got a bunch of clowns that I'm here with they're all getting drunk in the back at eight o'clock in the morning so you know this is kind of the way we do our show brother I got to be honest with you I feel like it is it's what time is it right now? It's 10 12, and I feel like I need a beer right now. <laughs> I think well, we go all have had those days. Hey, let me ask you about that. After after a race, what's the come down for you? How do you come down? Um, I mean, we usually get on a plane. I, you know, that's a good question. I really don't have a certain uh, routine that when I get home, I say, man, I need to have a beer. Or I need to sit down on the couch. Me, typically, it's throwing on the race and rewatching it and, and just really reanalyzing things. So that's that's how I do it. But there is certainly um, you go through a lot of emotions, man. Racing is is just such a you can go through the high of highs and the low of lows. It's just, I mean, Jensen button actually explained it best that NASCAR races can be a full season of formula one's worth of emotions in one race. That's what I'm saying. See, I grew up, my, my father was a teacher in the summer. He was an iron worker. And I remember thinking, man, I don't ever want to do a job I could die at. I just, you know, I just, so. <laughs> well, I try not to, not to think about it like that, but I guess it is a reality, right? So I'm sitting there, you know, I was a basketball coach and I'd be like, ah, oh, we lost and we won and I got to come down, but it ain't that serious, right? Your deal is, and the physical toll, what, 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 how physically does a NASCAR driver feel? These, these are heavy vehicles. You're, you're carrying this thing around for hours. How are you feeling physically after? Yeah. So man, that's one thing that I feel like, um, a lot of, a lot of your ordinary people that don't get to go to the race or really understand what we go through inside that race car, you're fighting the mental side of it. When the cars get so hot, uh, the physical side of it, when you're going through some of the wrecks or some of the beating and banging you're going through, but you know, to us, to us drivers, it's second nature. It is, it is just, it's normal at this point. So we really don't think about it like that. But, uh, you know, it's funny that you bring up the the realities of you could get hurt or your loved ones. I don't think about it like that, but it is certainly a reality. But I had that same thought about the guy who was up trying to fix the internet this morning from Spectrum. 
you know, because he's up there during a lightning storm. It's it's raining. And I'm just like, man, that's that's dangerous. Meanwhile, I have a dangerous job. So I guess uh, I guess there's danger everywhere. No, you're you're exactly right. Like, I, I you know, I'm not going to tell you. But so I have a daughter. Right. And I was in Vegas coaching an AU tournament a few years ago. And there were girls dancing on stage in the middle of a bar. And I take a picture. I go, hey, Laura, never get on the pole. Go to college. You don't need to be at the pole. You know? <laughs> so with my son, I'm like, oh, hey, don't do a job where you're going to. Anyway, I, sometimes these interviews digress. Hey, man, you got stuff to do. I appreciate you taking 20 minutes with, with us, man. you got a hell of a day. We're going to be rooting like crazy for you. You've been awesome. I hope you'll Thanks. come back. You know, it's funny, but you said what you were talking about with your daughter. So my wife's actually pregnant right now. We found out it's a girl. So a lot of a lot of thoughts here, like you were just talking about. But definitely, um, I got quite the day ahead of me. But like I said, I feel like I'm on the good side of luck right now. I'm gonna go clean up this mess, and we're gonna we're gonna attack the weekend. Yeah, man. Hey, daughters, I congratulations. By the way, there is my daughter's a school teacher in Nashville, and I. Daughters and daddies, man, it's the greatest thing ever, right? Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Yeah, I'd love to come on another time. Hopefully, uh, when my day's not so exciting. <laughs> or hopefully, it's more exciting with a win, and then you come on the day after. Yeah. That'd be awesome, man. That would we're, be awesome. Thanks a lot. We're rooting for you. We're rooting for you Thanks. hard. How about Appreciate that? It. He's got a big race, and now he's got to go get the chainsaw. Like, you're supposed to have Dale Earnhardt. I should have mentioned this. Dale Earnhardt had people for that. Damn it. <laughs> well, we thank Ryan, man. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was uh, – what a good guy, man. That is an absolute great guy. Uh, man, oh, man. So we're going to root for Ryan Priest all weekend. We are. We're going to be rooting for him like crazy. We want him to win. We, we, we want him the 41 car. I'm here at the casino. I'm betting on Ryan Priest. You know, uh, one of the things you got to do is you, you meet people and you just like them. And what a likable dude. Like, he should be the face of NASCAR. He just had a tree fall, lightning strike, great approach. Next thing you know, boom, here we go, man. That is awesome. And thanks to everybody on our team for getting Ryan uh, on our show. And like I said, we're going to be rooting like crazy for him. He's our new guy. He's our guy, 100%, our guy. There he is, Ryan Priest, the 41 car. Hey, did you see this? This is why you got to go to OutKick. This is why OutKick should be your go-to for all of your sports information. So I don't know if you saw this, but John Moran is now countersuing a kid uh, that apparently says that Moran flashed a gun at him. This is going to be interesting. See, I'm never mad at anybody that's going to counter-sue somebody. If you make an accusation, all right, you want to make an accusation. You want to say, hey, look, man, he pointed a gun at me. Hey, look, man, he did this. All right, that's great. That's fantastic. Go get him. But I am also, ladies and gentlemen, and I will always be for the person in John Moran, in this case, John Moran, saying, wait a second. You ain't getting over on me. Just because I'm who I am doesn't mean you are going to get 
my money, my reputation. I'm going to fight this. Now, it's dangerous, right? It's very, very dangerous for John Moran to do this. It's dangerous because, well, if it does go to court, which these things never do, but if it does, and you've got to talk about actually what happened, you better have something on your side. And I'm guessing he has tape. I'm guessing he has witnesses. I'm guessing he has something that is forcing him to countersuit. You hear it all the time. Well, you do this, I'm going to sue you. Well, okay, really, are you? All right. Okay. If, if, if that's what you say, then that's what you say. But he's actually doing it. And I got to tell you, I respect it. I do. And there is a fantastic article uh, in on OutKick about this countersuit. That's why you go to Outkick. That's why Outkick is the only place that you could go because everybody else would give you just crap. These guys on Outkick, our writers at Outkick are ridiculously good, man. Did you see this? Also on Outkick. Did you see yesterday? You know our friend Riley Gaines. We love Riley Gaines. We love her. She's awesome. Yesterday, Riley Gaines gave a speech at the University of Buffalo. She was invited, once again, invited to go to the University of Buffalo. So guess what? Riley Gaines shows up. Guess what? The police were not putting up with any of the crap. Our guy, David Hookstead, has a terrific article on it. They weren't putting up with this crap. They weren't putting up with the garbage that San Francisco State put up. They weren't putting up with the harassment. They weren't going to put up with the violence, punching some dude in a dress, punching Riley Gaines. They weren't going to put up with San Francisco State demanding money, holding Riley Gaines hostage. They weren't putting up with that. They said, screw you in Buffalo. The first one, the first protester that got out of line, they arrested. Listen to this. They did show up with advanced planning for Gaines' speech about protecting women's rights, which is amazing that people are going to protest this, right? It's ridiculous. All right. The police weren't playing games. The deputy director of the Leadership Institute, Sophie Salmon, had a protester block her camera and shoved the lens during the protest. Police made contact with the individual, took him into custody. At one point during the arrest, somebody watching seemed to imply the person's identity becoming public could result in them being murdered. University police arrested a 22-year-old female from Buffalo Thursday night for harassment and disorderly conduct. The individual has no association with UB. She was released with an appearance ticket. That's how you stop this crap. Police, uh, the reform group says a person was probably transgender. So what? I love it. I love it. There were no issues in the area where Gaines was giving her speech yesterday, according to the campus events plan. It's great. That's great. You want to protest or you want to uh, have a differing opinion? That's what OutKick is about. It's exactly what we're about we, we welcome that. Riley Gaines welcomes that. She said it on our show. But there is no room, and there will be no room, and there can't be no room for violence. There's none. Zero, zip, not none, zip. Don't even think about it. There's no room for supporting the folks that violently protest. There's no room. This is not 2020 BLM riots where we see a city burning and idiots say, well, it's a mostly peaceful protest. Screw that. Good for the University of Buffalo. That's what happens when smart people are involved. When people with common sense, with real people, with people that just look at it and go, this is not happening on our watch, period. That's good stuff. Uh, also from OutKick, listen to this. 
This is unbelievable. Gene uh, Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State. Gene Smith is one of the smartest guys in NCAA athletics. Gene Smith is one of the most powerful guys in athletics. He is on every point committee. He chairs most of them. He's just a brilliant dude, and I really like Gene Smith. He came out yesterday. He made it clear in an interview that Ryan Day has his full support. Now, here's the amazing part of it. Certainly, we all know that Ryan Day has lost two in a row to Michigan. That makes everybody crazy. Ryan Day is 45-6. and six. I'm going to say that again. 45 and six. That's damn near 90% of his games he has won. 90%. Now, let me ask you a question. Who's going to do better? There used to be a thing. There used to be this thing where Ohio State football coach is going to win 75% of his games. I mean, if you go back in history, whether it's John Cooper, Earl Bruce, you know, whomever. 75% of the games is what the Ohio State football coach generally won. And Urban Meyer came in and he upped that number into the mid-80s. Ryan Day took over an unbelievable program from Urban Meyer. And Ryan Day is now 45-6. and six. And people have a problem with it. I mean, Woody Hayes won 75% of his games. Bo Schembechler never, and I know he's a Michigan guy, never won a national championship. Just think about that for a second. Just, just, just give that a thought. 45 and 6 gets you in the Hall of Fame in any sport, any time, anywhere as a coach, anywhere. But they want him out because he lost to Michigan. Now, I would argue that, yes, it is incredibly important that Ohio State beat Michigan. There's no question about it. But did not Ohio State get into the college football playoff? Did not Ohio State make the Final Four? Does that not matter? Or is beating Michigan, or is the psychology in the entire operation, the entire state of beating Michigan skewed every single thing that Ohio State does in probably every sport. Silly. Hey, look, if I'm a football coach, you know what I want? I want to beat my rival. There's no question about it. Ohio State, it's element. I get it. Alabama, Auburn. I get it. Toledo, Bowling Green. I understand it. But trust me, I do. Trust me on that. But the fact of the matter is, I want to get... I'm dying to get into the college football playoffs. That's the goal every single year. Urban won 90% of his games. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm just telling you. So this guy's 45 and 6. That's damn near 90% of his game. Now, if a year from now, they go seven and five and lose to Iowa State again and five. Damn. And don't tell me that Ryan Day shouldn't be on the hot seat. That's crap, too. That, of course he's on the hot seat. Every coach is on the hot seat. Look, we've seen in college football, you're one bad season away from having a serious problem. Serious. I mean, serious problem. We all know this. This isn't anything that we all don't know. We, of course we know. But damn. Yeah, Van Pastor, man, I think you're right. I do think, <laughs> I do think uh, that Indiana would take Ryan Day. Oh, man, are you kidding me? All right, one of the great, and I mean this literally, one of the great websites or one of the great things on the Twitter, Twitter, the Twitter, what am I, 100 years old? Damn, we got the Twitter. One of the great sites on Twitter is Super 70 Sports. Ricky Cobb runs Super 70 Sports. And if you are 
my age and you grew up in the 70s, when Super 70 Sports posts something, the first thing you do is go, oh, man, I'm Oh, man. And the beauty of Super 70 Sports is this. And I want to get into this with Ricky Cobb. See, there is an art to swearing. There is not – swearing isn't just a bunch of clowns, MF and, and – no, 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 no. There's an art to writing swearing. If you ever want to see the best use of swear words in the history of television, watch the show Veep. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, as the vice president, is the best swear ever. Her name on the show is Selena Myers. There is nobody in the history of swearing. No writer ever puts swearing better into a television show, a movie, a sitcom, a streaming show than her. Nobody has ever put swearing into Twitter better than Ricky Cobb of Super 70 Sports. God bless America. God bless Ricky Cobb. He joins us coming up next. And I cannot wait. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, there are certain people and certain things that, this is going to sound weird, but get me laughing out loud, get me excited, get me going. Super 70 Sports on Twitter is, in my opinion, the best, most interesting Funniest and smartest. Ricky Cobb runs the thing. All right, Ricky, I just did about a uh, five-minute intro on you about how smart you are. I've been swearing since I was like 10 years old. Gretchen Wellman told on me I got my mouth washed out with soap. Swearing is an art. You have perfected the art of Twitter swearing, putting the right word in the right spot. Walk me through Super 70 Sports and how this came about. (laughs) Well, Super 70 Sports really began because a college professor was bored with his job and needed something to do that was fun. And uh, I thought that my friends might get a kick out of it. I thought a few other people might find it. I never would have imagined having a thousand followers, much less pushing three quarters of a million, Dan. You know, it's, it's been an improbable journey, to say the least. These tweets, the sweet bastard is now become part of my lexicon. I mean, every time I can get the word sweet bastard into anything, I'm playing golf this afternoon. I'm going to make this sweet bastard. I don't even care if it's used wrong. Glorious, glorious use right there. (laughs) Well, there's no wrong way to use it. You know, I mean, there is a wrong way to use it. But once once you follow the feed, you know what a sweet bastard is, Dan. Oh, yeah. You can identify a sweet bastard. It's like, uh, what was it, Potter Stewart, the Supreme Court justice, they asked him what pornography was, and he basically (laughs) said, I know it when I see it. Uh, Somebody asked me about sweet bastard once, and what's a sweet bastard? It's like, well, it's like a sixth sense. You know it when you see it. Yeah, the Supreme Court justice said, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. That's exactly (laughs) what this sweet bastard is, man. Um. How did this whole thing, you mentioned being a college professor, being bored, wanting to get something different. That all sounds great. And so many people do it. You know, I want to start a podcast. I want to blah, 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 blah. But very few are able. From the time you started, how did this thing grow? 
It, it, it's been a gradual process. I mean, there have been milestones along the way, but it's just a slog. I mean, I, I think the, the biggest thing that I'm proud of out of all of this, and I've got, I've met a lot of cool people and I've gotten a lot of nice compliments and getting nice compliments from people that you admire and that you've been a fan of. It's like a drug, man. You know, I mean, it's pretty, pretty dang cool. But, you know, the thing that I'm proudest of is, is the work ethic. I think the thing that made this thing happen is I just relentlessly have done it every day since January 1, 2015, uh, every single day. I don't miss. And when I say I don't miss a day, I mean, there's not any pinch hitting appearances in there keeping the streak alive. You know what I mean? I'm I'm up in the morning at it and I'm at it until I go to bed and I, you know, I look back sometimes on the tweets that I did in the early days. Some of them didn't get any retweets or likes, or maybe they got no retweets and three likes or one retweet and two likes. And I don't know what the hell kept me going at that point in time. It's it's a lot easier now, but in the beginning, I must have been a, a goddamn maniac. Ermka. <laughs> uh where do you find like the research done here? Because they, we just showed one of those little pull off top ice creams that I ate like it was the greatest thing ever when I was here. But you're only 51 years old. Like the 70s was not necessarily your thing, right? How did you decide, all right, it's going to be the 70s and come up with absolute perfect, perfect uh, written word to every tweet? Well, age-wise, age you're right. I probably would more logically be the, the 80 sports guy, considering that in that decade, I was like 9 through 18 or whatever, which is probably the, the age that you would consider to be your, your formative years. But there's something about the 70s, man. It's, it's the cars. It's the shag carpet. It's the avocado green appliances. It's the billowing secondhand smoke. I mean, if you were driving to a little league game with your dad, you would have thought that they just uh, named the new Pope. I, I don't know how we all didn't end up with lung cancer, but here we are. And there's just something about the aesthetic of the 70s that has always resonated with me. And I told someone not long ago that I, I was nostalgic for the 70s in the 80s. I distinctly remember being in high school and kind of thinking like, ah, this isn't as cool as the 70s. And I have no idea. I, I, you know, God wired me wrong or something. And it took me about 45 years to uh, figure out something productive to do with it. And it, it turned out it was this. You know, it's funny. Sirius XM Radio has the 70s channels and the 80s channel. And I try to tell people there's no comparison. Like the music in the 70s, and I get in an argument with my brother-in-law, who's a big, strong iron worker, and he wants to beat my ass because I'm like, I don't care how big you are. I'll fight for this one. I'll fight for the 70s music. I'll fight for the 70s uh, over this. Wait, wait, do you have a team with you? Is this all you? What do you got? I, you're looking at it, pal. That's it. Yeah, this is it, man. It's, it, it's me. Every tweet that's ever been sent from that handle was... I was the guy who hit send, you know, and uh, in the early days, people would say nice compliments, but, you know, people would say, 
I love you guys. You guys are great. You guys crack me up. And at first, you're just happy to be acknowledged because in the beginning, it was just a trip that anybody had found this. After you do it for 10 plus hours a day for several years, at a certain point, you're like, it's just one guy. It's a guy. I have a name. And, and you, the ego starts to flare up a little bit and you want a little credit for it. And that eventually came to pass. But 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 it was a process, man. I I I remember distinctly the the night that I hit three thousand followers, and thinking, "Holy, you know, holy crap! I got three thousand followers, and uh, it, it's been a series of plateaus." You know, the the uh, the the OJ Jenner, uh, uh, Howard Cosell tweet uh, was one that got me some attention and. Then media started to pick up on me and I, I got some newspaper features and a few TV hits and people kind of started to figure it out. I'm not, I don't need to be mega famous, but you know, I think for any of us that work really hard at anything, there, there comes a time that I think just it's human nature. You want to be recognized for it, at least to, to some degree. One of the great things about it, and this is kind of the point, the name, I guess, it, like, I'm looking at your tweet an hour ago, and you've got one of these $100 bill change machines, right? And <laughs> you're like the satisfying sound of sticking a five in one of these sweet bastards and getting dispensed 20 passports to arcade pleasure. And you, in my age, you forget. You're like, oh, yeah. It's like a trip down memory lane every time I go through your stuff. It really is because you catch the stuff. It, Look, it'd be easy to talk about what Pete Rose or Johnny Betts, but that the one we showed about Tug McGraw, I remember when he said it, and I'm like, we're all rolling laughing, right? So it's like a trip down memory lane, these things that you put out there. Yeah, I mean the the, the sound of those quarters dropping, I can oh. hear it right now, Dan. Can't you? You you can hear it. Oh. That, that that sound and it and it, and that sound is like so pleasurable. It's like a Pavlov's dog kind of scenario right because i associate that sound with playing galaga and donkey kong and miss pac-man and all of that stuff so immediately it hits my pleasure receptors but yeah man i i was playing with some pretty powerful elements from the periodic table in a sense and i and i didn't know it because in the beginning as i said if, if you had told me eight years ago that I would have had a thousand followers, I would have been like, man, that is really damn cool. I th That's awesome. Uh, but the kind of stuff that I was tweeting, you're right. It sort of threads this needle and it hits something within people. And that's what I couldn't have possibly predicted. And, you know, you were asking me uh, kind of about how I go about it and the, putting a tweet together and constructing it. But I'm really, really lucky, Dan, because just my natural voice and my natural perspective, which I was letting fly pretty much from day one because I had no expectations for this. So if it sounds like it's just you and me sitting together, knocking back a couple of beers and just shooting the, the shit, right? It's because that's that's what the feed is. And and I never expected it to to be anything different than that because it's just it's just me talking about stuff I like in my voice. And I got really, really lucky that for whatever reason, there was something about that that hit a sweet spot. So, I, so yeah. I, the great thing is I don't have to get up and try to pretend 
to, to, you know, be something or to try to remember what it is that people like. I'm really, really lucky. I'm able to get up every day, do this, just be myself. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, people receive it the way that they do. I don't, you know, I don't know if this is your home or not, but man, you've got it figured out. You got the lazy boy. It looks like maybe an asteroid <laughs> came there, maybe Donkey Kong in the back. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, looking- do I have to, I'm trying to lean here. I, I, <laughs> if I, if I could bring you into frame just a little bit. You're probably going to see all kinds of shit too, but I can't. Yeah, get- what do you got in there? What's I'm going on to, in there? I'm trying to break. Oh, there's my Galaga machine. If you can. Yeah. Uh, Galaga. Well, I, I'm getting in the way of my Galaga. You're going machine. the wrong way. Go the I'm other way. The- what am I doing? There, there you go. There's Galaga over there in the corner or whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's you know it, it basically you know I have the, I have the bachelor pad uh, you know uh, of like the kid from Big, you know if he was a fan. I'm like the I'm like the the world's oldest twelve year old basically. You know because and, and so it, it's uh I was I was joking with my kids the other day. I said you know it's like. I have somebody, I have a lady over here and, you know, she's going to think that she's at Dave and Buster's. Yeah. I just, my wife and I just happened to turn on 20 year old virgin and he's got all those toys and all that stuff that he's, you know, <laughs> right, right. All right. Last thing, last thing before I let you go, you understand this better than anybody. People bitch, right? They bitch. So people get mad at you about swearing once in a while. Right. And I'm glad it doesn't affect you. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, all if it does anything, it it makes me double down on it, right? But but the but the swearing has never the swearing has never been a thing that I decided to do. And I agree, and I, I agree with you. Swearing <laughs> swearing is an art form when it's done correctly, and it's not done correctly nearly enough. It's like anything else. It's like golf, right? M- most of us play it, but. There's only a there's only a chosen few that are you know doing it at, at an art form level, but and I agree with you it is. But I never set out like oh well you know I gotta I gotta cuss in in this tweet or I gotta I gotta cuss in that tweet. I the captions are just what come to me, so it's very organic. And I, I and again you know I only curse in about maybe thirty percent of the tweets, believe it or not. I think there's a lot of people that think that that number is a lot closer to about 98 and a half percent, but it, it's really not that many, but it, you know, certainly I'm, I, I'm synonymous with profanity. So I guess that's, you know, if you're going to put something on my tombstone, it's probably unprintable. Look, yeah. you know, it, it, but, but I don't think, and I've said this, like the TV show beat, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, is the greatest television show in the history of writing television shows for swearing. You have to literally sit there and watch and listen because she says the most vile, disgusting, awesome things. And they, But it makes the show, and it doesn't detract from the show. And in your case, again, because you're a professor and you're really smart, where you put all that makes the tweet in a lot of cases. It just does. Well, it's, you know, it's writing. And again, yes. you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and compare myself to the the great writers, but there is a certain, there is a certain art form and there's a certain urgency that you have when you have 280 characters. I don't have the luxury of being able to set things up and, 
string flowery uh, prose together in, in order to create some long piece of writing. So in 280 characters, how can I say what I want to say about this picture or this video and get the maximum impact out of it that I can? And so I think to some degree, profanity punches things up a little bit. It emphasizes emotions. It emphasizes anger. It emphasizes everything when done correctly. Plus, you know, we're, there's a rhythm to comedy, right? They'll, they'll tell yes. you comedy is timing. And you can say the funniest thing in the world, but if you jack up the timing, you may not get a laugh. And so, you know, if you have a funny idea, you want to convey that funny idea in the most efficient way possible to get the biggest bang from it. And so, you know, I, I'm not saying that uh, I, I'm consciously thinking about these things unless I'm being interviewed and, you know, kind of starting to try to analyze it for the sake of giving a good answer. But I think that the the verbal style that I have is is probably largely influenced by two, 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 280 you can get there real fast. So the economy of words is, uh, is a huge part of it. Yeah. And you, 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 it's fantastic, Ricky. And I appreciate you coming on, man. I mean, it is the best site, the smartest site, the funnest site and the funniest site on Twitter. And I hope you never stop, man. I hope you just keep it rolling. Well, Dan, it's, it's a pleasure to be on with you. I've always enjoyed being on with you on your, on your, your old show and being here with you today, continued success. Congrats on the the new contract without kick and uh, be happy to come back on with you sometime. And and I can't wait. Hey, I, I love having you, man. Ricky, thank you. Thank you, my brother. That's it's super 70 sports. I'm telling you, it is the best site on Twitter. For humor, like, oh, no kidding. That's the reaction. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Haley, you're too young, Haley. You don't remember the 70s, Haley. Your parents probably don't even remember the 70s. What's going on, Haley? My parents remember the 70s for sure, but I don't. (laughs) All right. Uh, Tell me something in in the world of social media. Uh, You are on, I think it's day eight of trying to be the jockstrap model which totally makes sense given what they're doing with Dylan Mavani and Roz. You want to be the jockstrap model for Nike. Well, this is obviously a play on their awful business decision to choose Dylan Mulvaney as a sports bra model. And my question to Nike is, who are you selling to? Because, you know, there are plenty of women who have no boobs too. Why wouldn't you just use them? Like not, you don't have to have boobs to wear a sports bra, but you chose a biological man instead of a woman. So again, women are last. We're in last place now because trans women are ahead of us. They're better at being women than we are, um, which is obviously insanely insulting. And so now we're, you know, low man on the totem pole or low woman on the totem pole. So I'm That's asking- what I've said. And nobody's like saying uh, you're transphobic or I'm transphobic. You're just simply saying, why put women behind? Why why not enhance as opposed to hinder women? That's all I'm saying. And I know that's all you're saying. I don't want to hear anybody tell me why you're transphobic or you're you're this. Shut up. That's not it at all. Celebrate women. This isn't about Dylan Mulvaney at all. It really, my issue is with Nike because they are 
they are not selling to women anymore. They're not selling to women who need sports bras because if I need a sports bra now, I'm not going to Nike because they hate me. They don't want to work with me or sell to me anymore or women like me. And this is only about Dylan's almost 11 million followers on TikTok. And I think that's great. He's getting money. Like get that bag from Nike. Like he's not doing anything wrong or she's not doing anything wrong. What Nike's doing though is using Dylan and exploiting Dylan for all those followers. And like, what's the bottom line here? Are they selling more sports bras? I don't really understand. So if you don't need boobs to model a sports bra or you don't need to be a biological woman to model a sports bra, then why can't I be Nike's jockstrap model? I think it'd be a hit. Let's bring, I, it makes... back, let's bring women back to the forefront. And I promise you that Nike would probably sell more jock straps if I was modeling them than Dylan Mulvaney is selling sports bras to women. And I got to tell you, I ain't mad that Anheuser-Busch, I don't know what the number is now. At one point, I read seven, six million. Today, maybe I've read five. I don't know. But I'm not mad about that at all. I am on a total boycott of Nike. I'm on a total boycott of uh, Anheuser-Busch. And this affects me, Haley, because I like mango cart. Mango cart beer, is I. it was going to be my summer beer. It was going to be my go-to. No one, no mango for me. You'll have to find a new summer shandy for you. But, and I'm, my platform, like I talk about how I don't like cancel culture. I don't like boycotts. I don't want to call for people to not drink uh, Bud Light or not, um, by Nike. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I think that it's speaking for itself when you alienate a customer group and they're, you know, they're speaking with their wallets. It's not that I'm saying, Hey, no one should go buy a sports bra from Nike, do whatever you want. If that sales pitch worked for you, great. But I don't think it's working the same way that we didn't see it work for Bud Light. They have, they have alienated their customer base that they already had to cater to this like tiny group of people who maybe will drink Bud Light now because Dylan's involved. But at the end of the day, they just pissed off the people who are already buying their product. We're going to go to Twitter. Now, Dylan Mulvaney does apparently have 10, not, I'm sorry, TikTok, uh, 10 million followers. Yeah. I, I mean, get the like theory. I get the theory. What's that? I think he's almost close to 11 million now. Yeah. I, I get the theory, but I also get stockholders. I get people that are your base. I get everything. But 10 million followers, somebody sees it, says, this is what we got to do. God bless you, whatever. All right, what do we got this week? Ryan is on a freaking run here. We didn't have last week, which I was sad about. What do we got this week? Well, I went to a few different drag shows here in Tennessee because apparently they were banned. So I wanted to go see for myself and see if they were banned, and it turns out they're not at all. Um, obviously, Tennessee passed a law, or they tried to um, pass a bill that would limit sexual-type performances in front of children. You know, people are pissed off about that. I, I don't know why, um, but drag shows are alive and well. I went to a few. Kids weren't there. Great. And a federal judge actually blocked the bill, so drag shows are alive and well, and all this, like, hubbub was for nothing. 
Drag shows are alive and well here in Tennessee. Despite what you might have heard on the CMAs, I went to two drag shows right here in Nashville so you don't have to, and here's how it went down. I went to both shows after Tennessee voted to ban drag shows in public and in the presence of children. The law was set to go into effect Saturday, April 1st, but it was blocked by a federal judge. Even if the bill did take effect, there are plenty of shows that adults can enjoy right here in Tennessee. And while the future of the bill hangs in the balance, it called for adult cabaret sexual type performances to be held indoors at 18 and up venues. The first show I went to was at the Electric Jane. They checked IDs at the door. There were no kids in sight, no teens in sight. Um, food was good, music was good. Only thing that was really funny was the MC made a statement about drag shows being banned in Tennessee at a drag show in Tennessee. There's a billion things I can say about that deal, <laughs> but we're not gonna get into that right now. Next, I went to Suzy Wong's drag brunch at Play Dance Bar. They did not check IDs at the door, only when I ordered a mimosa. So technically, could an underage person walk in and get away with it as long as they don't order a drink? Maybe. This is also a brunch. You don't have to be 21 to go to a brunch. And this happened before the bill was supposed to take effect. At this show, one of the queens smooched that inflatable eggplant, and yes, she left a mark. If there were kids there, I would say that this is problematic, but again, no kids in sight. My take is this, drag shows are not under attack here in Tennessee, not even a little bit. Even the big drag bus is still running, I just passed it this weekend. And the owner of those buses spoke to a local news outlet and said he has no plans of slowing down, even if the ban does go into effect. If you're an adult, if you're on a bachelorette, enjoy the show. But if you're still outraged over this so-called ban and you're fighting to dance like this in front of minors, I would ask yourself why that is. And if you're a parent looking for someone to read your child a story, try a librarian. I've always said, Haley, I've always said the dude that wakes up and goes, huh, I'm going to put on, you know, some fake boobs, a G string and go twerk in front of kids. That dude is sick. Jail. Like, right? Straight to jail. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Um, but if it's in front of adults, consenting adults, and it's just for fun, I mean, do whatever you want. It's a free country. All we want in Tennessee is just to protect children. That's what the point of the bill was or this so-called ban. Of course, as you saw, drag shows are not banned. I went to a few of them. There are like 12 in Nashville. There's a huge party bus. I know you've been to Nashville and you see all the party buses. There's a drag bus, which is technically like in public, right? Like kids could see that. That's not banned. So no one has anything to worry about. Drag shows are fine. The funniest part is the guy talking about the ban on drag shows had a drag show. That's the greatest thing I've heard. Exactly. I was like, that's so funny. I have no idea what you're complaining about. <laughs> all, right, all right. What else you got? Let's get into the competition here. I've typed them out for you. All of these pronoun options are agender, androgen, androgynous, bigender, cisgender female, cisgender male, cisgender man, cisgender woman, female to male, gender fluid, gender non-conforming, gender questioning, gender variant, gender queer, intersex, male to 
male to female, neutra, which I had to Google, never heard of that before. Um, non-binary, pangender, trans female, trans male, trans man. What's the difference between those? I have no idea. Trans person, trans woman, trans feminine, transgender female, transgender male, transgender person, transgender woman, trans masculine, transsexual female, transsexual male, transsexual man, transsexual person, transsexual woman, two spirit. Dan, that's a new one. If you've seen the updated LGBTQIA plus acronym, they've added two S to the beginning of it. Two spirit. I again had to Google that too. They, um, it's for indigenous North Americans to describe native people in their communities who fulfill a traditional third gender or other gender variant ceremonial and social role in their cultures. I don't think we'll ever meet the final boss of this gay acronym because I, like, they're just going to keep adding letters. I don't know. They're going to have to make up new letters. What do I, what am I? I'm, I, I let me give you a background. I am a man that is married. Yep. I have never had an homosexual experience, nor the desire to. I'm going to stay looking like this my entire life. There's nothing going to be transformed. What What am I? So on that list, you would try to find male. I don't think that male is on there. So in, in the leftist terms, I think you'd be a cisgender male, which means you're is, just a biological male, straight male. What, what What's the cis part? What does that mean? Couldn't tell you. Don't know. That's another thing that I'm going to have to Google because I have no idea why we okay. can't say male, female. No idea. I don't know how we got here. <laughs> wow. What else you got? Wow. Jackpot, Bracey. Oh, go, baby. Go. Go. Whoa, Who did that? Who did that? Who did that? You did that. Oh, so cute. That's a good boy. Is, oh, excuse me. That is pretty good. That is pretty good. And I'm starting to like dogs now. I am. I'm starting. <laughs> they play golf. We like them. I, I know. All right. Dog made a putt. I'm not going to lie to you. And I hope it's not a friend of yours, but I got a little annoyed with the guy's voice. Uh, I'm just saying. What's the next one? Oh my god. Oh my god. I shoot. Oh yeah, good catch. Dan, you fell for it. It's not a real baby. I'm sorry. Just... I'm sorry. I can't believe it. What was it? It's just like a I don't know, like a sack of potatoes in there. It wasn't a real baby. I did fall for it. And I'm glad I fell for it. You know what's funny, though? It took people a very long time to jump in and help. That was like the one thing. I know it's just a prank, so it's not real. But I was shocked at how long it took for people to like grab the baby baby off the top of the car. They were just yelling. It's like, well, obviously, they can't hear you. People are not helpful. I'm, I'm glad that I fell for it. I'm glad that I'm not so jaded that I sat there and I said, ah, that's a prank. No one would ever do that. Because I swear to God, Haley, I think I would do that. I, I didn't do it. I'm, I'm glad I didn't. But I got grandkids. Maybe at some point in my life, I did take off with my daughter getting in the car. And it wakes me up once in a while. She was in the back seat. I was on the phone. She was getting in. I picked her up from school. And I took her off. She's like, Dad! I'm like, oh, thank God. Uh, 
I got to tell you, I'm going with number three. I'm going with the third one. That's that's too good. Who Who's the winner here? That's Ryan. Look at Ryan. Is that three in a row, four in a row? Ryan's on a streak right now. That got me. That totally, my, part of me was first, like, I would do that, and it's like, somebody grab the kid. If you scroll on TikTok for 14 hours a day like I do, you don't believe anything you see. So I'm jaded. Uh, by the way, uh, Haley's TikTok is incredible. It really is good. And I like the fact that when I go to TikTok, your stuff pops up first. I don't know why that is, but it does. Friends. It's just... It, yeah. It's just my friends. Yeah. So mine comes up first. All right. All right. You have a great weekend. <laughs> you too. Bye. Enjoy Vegas. Bye. Oh, Vegas, baby. You let this, you let all this loose in Vegas coming up. Are you kidding me? All right. Time to go. Thank you for everyone. We've had another great week. That was a fun, fun day. I am going to here. You know where I'm going. I'm going to the bathroom. And then from the bathroom, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to grab something to eat. And I am playing golf until my hands. Lead. See y'all on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody.